Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Hello and welcome to episode number 140 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America featuring Person Noob. Me! That is you. You are the Person Noob. You're comparatively new to being alive. Forever Person Noob. I am Soccer Noob. Seems like I'll be Soccer Noob forever, doesn't it? You'll be Soccer Noob for as long as you exist. And why is that? Because brand name. That's right. You're going to be a marketing major, I think, someday. It is a branding thing. Anyway, we are here to give you many match previews of great games from all over the world, the best ones. But as we define that, leagues, uh, matches from leagues from countries big and small all over the world, all over the world. Same thing for uh, club tournaments, national team tournaments. If it's important where it's being played, it is probably on our radar. So we're going to have a lot of fun covering some matches that nobody else I don't think out there really talks about. And that's how we try to be different. And we have a lot of fun along the way, don't we? Yeah. You've got a special animal picked out, don't you? Yeah. We're going to be going to the South Pacific, but let's not tell them yet what kind of animal it is or what specific country it is. But what can we tell them for sure? It is... Alberto. Oh, I was going to say, and it's cute. Because you yeah. always pick cute animals. There really aren't very many animals that aren't cute, aren't there? Mm, yeah. There no, are most not. animals are... A lot of animals are cute. So she'll be returning with her Endangered Aminals segment a little bit later on in the show. What else is going on in the world of Person Noob? Cats. Yes, you have uh, put the the mattress here in the classroom slash spare bedroom slash air studio up on its side. And the cats are up there. But can they get, can they get, is there a safe place for them to land? There's so many chairs and tables and art supplies and mess. (laughs) Can they get down safely without help? No. No, you have to escort them down. That's pretty sad because cats can jump a long way. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, If I pick um, that one thing up, then they could probably jump from there to there. (laughs) Jump down into one safe little tiny spot on the carpet in here. Hey, high five. I'm in favor of it. If 1% of the room is clean, that would be a start, wouldn't it? Hey, I cleaned the desk this morning. That's true. You did a great job setting up the studio, didn't you? Yeah. That's wonderful. And I just chipped a tooth a short bit ago, didn't I? Dude, it's about the... I was eating tortilla chips, and they were a little stale. Maybe that was the issue. And his tooth said, I don't want to be... And part of his tooth said, I don't want to be here anymore. And he said, bye. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe we can trade away a sponsorship for a dentist's office in return for the work I'm apparently going to need on this uh, large gap in the tooth near the back of my mouth. You might have to get it pulled out. Yeah, that'd probably be the easiest. You want to pull it out? I see you got scissors there. That won't do. You need pliers. You just want to yank it for me? Yeah. Your eyes got way too big, and you should have known I was joking. I am going to be sleeping with the door locked and one eye open from now on. Don't get so close to me. Those are scissors. Those are not appropriate at all for the task, which isn't going to be happening anyway. All right. Before I succumb to a horrible fate, let's get into the soccer matches with... Match number one! We start our journey around the world, fairly close to home for us here in the States, 
Cuba, where the top flight is called the Primera División. They have reached their playoff final. This is the second match of the home-and-away two-legged tie of the final of the Clausura stage. For newer fans, Spanish-speaking nations in this part of the world in particular tend to divide their soccer year into two separate seasons or stages, opening and closing, Apertura y Clausura, just so you know the terminology. Now, we do not know how the first leg is going to turn out at the time that we are recording this. Nevertheless, no matter how that goes, they will play the second leg and the trophy will be decided upon today. A little bit about Cuba as a footballing nation. They are part of the Caribbean Union, uh, which is here in the CONCACAF region. Uh, Cuba could send a team to the 2000, uh, or could have sent a team to the 2023 Caribbean Shield tournament that's upcoming. That is the tournament essentially for all the semi-professional and amateur leagues in the Caribbean. Uh, but they have not done so. If they are going to send a team to next year, they will probably only be eligible to send one. That's my guess based on their typical formatting. So this is an incredibly important game for that. Now, I'm not sure of the why. I couldn't go quite deeply enough down the rabbit hole, but in the Apertura stage, there were two groups of eight. But here in the Clausura stage, the regular season, for some reason, was only comprised of eight teams. The top six made the playoffs. Now we've reached our final. There. Now we've got the lay of the land. Let's talk about uh, number one from the Clausura regular season, Holguin. They are playing host in the second leg of the final here to second-best Cienfuegos. So the top two teams did survive. Uh, Holguin, in fact, they won the Clausura by just one point over Cienfuegos. When the two teams played this year, it was also Holguin that had the best of things. They won nil-two on the road and 3-1 at home. But you know what they say about trying to beat a team a third, or I suppose even hypothetically a fourth time, since we don't know how the first leg went. Holguin, that is the name of the uh, province that they play in. They're from the city of Bonnes, which has about 85,000 people. It's in the southeast part of the country on the north coast, if you will. And this is the third biggest province in the country. The team are known as the Panthers. They've won one league title in the past, I believe, and that was in 2006. In the Apertura stage for this year, they finish in third place in Group B. So they are doing much better this time around. And that's largely because of their offense. They were getting pretty close to two goals per match on average. Defense was a bit more average, giving up almost one and a half per. Team's current form, they are 5-0-1 in their last six. Interestingly, their uh, one loss in there was a nil-5 lost at uh, you know, very mediocre uh, Guantanamo. Not sure what happened there. I bet that's been said a lot of times before. All right, Cienfuegos. That is a city of about 175,000 on the north central coast of the country. It's a big industrial and energy center for the nation. Uh, they play out of the province of the same name as the city and are known as the Sailor Men. Toot, toot. Why not just go with the Popeyes? Take it all the way. They have got such a cool crest. One of the better ones I've seen in a while. Uh, orange and uh, blue are some of the primary colors. They're somewhat soft yet solid. Uh, they got a, a ship's steering wheel uh, featured prominently. And then there's a uh, nautical rope circling it. And then a uh, circular hook inside of that. Go ahead and Google it up. It's really something. They, nearly as I could find, have won four titles before. Most recent win was 2009. They actually won in the Apertura stage their group and had the most points overall. So it's less of a surprise that they are here. They've been very well balanced this year, but not overly impressive. Just number four on offense, number three on defense. Uh, actually, only fourth best goal differential. So they've really been on a streak here of late. 
Team's current form, uh, a loss that they suffered to Holguin snapped at the end of the regular season, snapped a three-match winning streak. Uh, let's see. I'm going to speak for all of Team Noob. Uh, Person Noob, I don't know if you want to chime in on this. Hi. Who do you think is going to win, Holguin or Cienfuegos? That's what I'm going as well, because I like their crest, and I think because they've been, uh, I just think they're on a hot streak and going to ride it out. So me and P. Noob, we're going to call this one for Cienfuegos and see how it goes. Match number B. We're still on Friday, and we're still in the Caribbean region. Another really big match coming up in an island nation that we have a connection to, Person Noob, that you may not even know about. Are you familiar with the country of Trinidad and Tobago? Well, their top flight is called the Pro League, and our our thin connection there is not really football related. But Miss, you know, Mister Steve from church, one of my fellow deacons, he now he is of Indian descent, and so I think a lot of people assume that he's originally from there. But if you listen to his accent, he's definitely not originally from there. He grew up on Trinidad and Tobago, it turns out, and then he has other family that is from the nation of India. So. Again, not a football-related connection, but gives us just a little bit more of a reason to pay attention to this league, makes it a little bit more fun. Uh, the Pro League there is the number 13-ranked league in all of CONCACAF. They get to send two teams to the Caribbean Cup Championship. That is not the same thing as the Caribbean Cup Shield that I mentioned in the first one. This is this is a tournament that is for the larger, better, stronger football nations uh, in in the Caribbean Ocean, basically. There are four nations that get to send, I believe, two teams each, and Trinidad and Tobago is one of them. Now, they already know which two teams are going to participate in the 2023 Caribbean Cup. For some reason, even though that's still a little ways away, they just had to know who was going to be going. So as of June 2nd, the first and second place teams at that point in the table were announced as the participants for the upcoming tournament. Uh, I say fortunately for us, there hasn't been any change. That's still these two teams. It's probably going to remain these two teams in the top two positions of the table at the end of the season. So that's very good. I'm also glad that they're getting in a full-length season because I don't think they've had a traditional full-length non-cup tournament season completely played because of COVID and other reasons since 2019-20. So good on them for getting through a year. Your matchup, number one defense force versus number B. That's right. We don't go in number you know what around here. AC Port of Spain. When they played earlier this season, uh, Port of Spain defended their home turf with a three to one win. Uh, defense force currently lead uh, Port of Spain by one point but actually Port of Spain, they have three matches left. So they have a match in hand. Advantage them, although maybe not today since they're on the road. We'll talk about the home team first, Defense Force. This is a team that is not just sponsored by or used to be affiliated with the Army or military. This team is still actually made up of Defense Force personnel from around the country. And so they play at uh, Chaguaramas in the northwest part of the country, which is the name of uh, both a city developed area and the entire peninsula that they're in. History buffs, if that's familiar to you, yes, this uh, the U.S., they actually leased this entire peninsula about 80 years ago. It's been many decades uh, since that association was ended, though. Defense Force have won the most league titles in the nation's history and are, are supposed technically your defending champions having won in 2019-2020. They've host, hoisted the league trophy 23 times. 
Uh, twice they've also won the Caribbean Club Championship, but Trinidad and Tobago are not among the very, very strongest of your countries in the Caribbean, and this team has not won one of those titles since 1985. In fact, I don't think that they've appeared in any CONCACAF event uh, since 2002 for some reason. This year, the offense is uh, very good. It's a somewhat high-scoring league, especially at the top. Uh, they get over two and a half goals per match, but their defense is where they really stand out. They're number one in the league in that regard, and they only give up two goals every three matches on average. Key player to look for, tied for number three in league scoring with 10 on the season is Brent Sam. Team's current form, red hot. They are unbeaten in their last 15. And now Athletic Club Port of Spain. Uh, they joined the Pro League in 2002 uh, to give some representation to the northeast part of the country. But uh, about three years ago, they moved to uh, the capital, which, of course, is Port of Spain. They've only won one league title I could find record of, and that was all the way back in 2004. Uh, this year, on paper, they should be your favorite, maybe even on the road. They are uh, number. They are second best, let me phrase it that way, in both offense and defense. Uh, they're getting much closer to three goals per match, and they've got the most impressive goal differential. Key player for this team, number five scorer in the league with nine is John uh, Rockford or Rochefort. Not sure about the pronunciation, but I do know he plays midfield for them. Young guy, just 23 years old. Team's current form, uh, they just endured a 1-1 draw, and that actually snapped a, a uh, six-match win streak. Now, person new, with all this said, who do you think is going to win the match? Uh, the longtime historical Giants defense force or Athletic Club Port of Spain? I think that it's going to be Port of Spain as well, even on the road. I think they go on to win this game and win the league. I really am a believer in that goal differential. Match number three. Onward, we march into Saturday for our feature MLS match of the week. It is number B in the East, Nashville, taking on number one in the West, expansion side St. Louis, still getting it done. Let's look at the tables for the Eastern and Western Conferences. Nashville trail number one in the East Cincinnati by eight. Meanwhile, St. Louis lead number B, Seattle, by one over there. They are in great position here at about 40% of the way through the season. For newer fans, by the way, the Eastern and Western Conferences, they will each send nine teams to the playoffs. A total of four teams from the based on regular season results, including each of the conference champions, will all qualify for what used to be called and will now forevermore apparently be called the CONCACAF Champions Cup instead of the CONCACAF Champions League. That is our big international club-based tournament in this part of the world. All right, Nashville. I didn't. I, I don't remember seeing this previously, but apparently their nickname is simply The Music. Uh, that would be like naming, New York, naming a New York team the art. I, I'm not sure I'm a fan. That's awfully big, broad, vague. Anyway, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name of the park they play in. Personally, what do you think? G-E-O-G-I-S. Geogis? Geogis? <laughs> GOG, they should just shorten it to the GOG. All right, well, Nashville, according to person who officially play at GOG Park, it holds 30,000 people. It's on the uh, historic Tennessee State Fairgrounds. This is their third season in Major League Soccer. 2021, they had a great season, best one. They finished third place in the West and got as far as the playoff quarterfinals. Last year, they finished in fifth and fell out of the playoffs in the first round. This year, the offense, it's okay. The defense, Amazing. Number one in their conference, giving up less than three quarters of a goal match 
on average, number one overall goal differential. That tells you that statistically, while their ordinal rank for offense may not look that great, that you know things are pretty tight in that regard. Uh, a guy who could give them some separation in that regard, as he has done before, their all-star Tied for number one in league scoring once again this year with 10 already. Uh, Hani Mukhtar from Germany, their star center forward. He's also number one in the league, uh, in the yes, in the entire league in goals plus assists at 16. And then on the defensive side where they really seem to excel as a team, partially because of Joe Willis, their veteran 34-year-old goalkeeper. Uh, he is the only one in the league that is saving uh, at an 80% plus rate. Spent the heart of his career with Houston. Team's current form, uh, they just had a 1-1 draw at Toronto, snap a two-match winning streak. And now St. Louis, red-hot start to their season. They've had a few hiccups, but no major bad stretches, I would say. Uh, this team has the number one offense in their conference by a lot. They're the only ones getting over two goals per match. In fact, their defense isn't much worse than that. Their place in the table is no fluke. They have the number one overall goal differential. Now, their star, if you follow MLS at all, you know Edward Lewin. What a pickup for this expansion side. I want to talk about some other players on the team that really help this engine go. Defensively, number one in interceptions per 90 minutes. He's the only guy in the league that gets more than three on average per match. That is uh, Njabulo Blom. He is from South Africa, plays defensive midfielder, young, 23 years old, came over from a pretty good club over there, Kaiser Chiefs in the Premier Division in South Africa. Also defensively, tied for second best in clearances per 90 with almost six is their center back, Tim Barker. They also got him from Houston. And then the second best goalkeeper in the entire league in save percentage. So maybe we'll see some great ones between Joe Willis for Nashville and Roman Berkey from Switzerland here for St. Louis. He's also third in overall saves, or rather I should say saves per 90 minute at pretty close to four. He's number one in what they call goals prevented per 90 and by a lot, getting five of those. So this is a guy that directs the defense incredibly well. I'm sure that's largely due to all the European experience he has. He was with uh, Borussia Dortmund in the German Bundesliga for many years. Team's current form, 0-1-1. Oh, one, and, one. and I turn to Little Miss Person. Once again, who do we think is going to win? The music of Nashville or St. Louis City, the brand new team that is somehow already number one? Nashville. Nashville. Oh, for the first time, we disagree. I am going with the uh, visiting side, and I think that St. Louis will not only get a point, but a full three points on the road. I think even though it's an expansion year, that in a league like Major League Soccer with a lot of parity, all things are possible, and that is being proven out right now. Match number four. Match number four is brought to us by the potato chips, the person who was eating here in the classroom slash studio earlier because the keys and the mouse are all super slippery. What do you have to say for yourself, person noob? Hi. <laughs> Fair enough. What kind of potato chips were you having? Greasing everything up. Lay's potato chips. Today's show is brought to you by Lay's potato chips. Oh, you know where you can get Lay's potato chips as part of a combo? The pantry. Where? The pantry. <laughs> yeah, the pantry, but where else? What store? Oh, you're missing this one here. I'm setting you up. Who do you always want to have sponsor the show? Subway. Subway, who does not sponsor the show, but person who thinks sponsor the show. All things circle around Subway. 
Okay, that was strange. All right, match number four is still a Saturday match. We're going to have a few of those yet. And we head over for some more European League play. You thought that European Club League play was done, but oh no. In Spain, they are still playing in the Segunda Division, La Liga 2, where they are still having their promotion playoff tournament. This is the final second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Basically, here's the deal. The top two teams in Spain in the second division at the end of the season are automatically promoted to the top flight for next year. The next few teams have been having a little mini tournament to determine who will get the third and final promotion spot. Tons of money on the line when it comes to this stuff, especially in these Western European leagues. Your matchup seedings based on the regular season, number three, Levante versus number four, Deportivo Alaves. So as you can see, it was the favorites that made it through since numbers one and B already automatically got promoted. We actually know how the first leg for this one went, unlike one of our matches earlier. Uh, Alaves only managed a nil-nil draw at home, so it is advantage Levante. Levante finished the regular season one point ahead of Alaves, uh, but it was Levante that got the better of them in the regular season. They won 0-2 and 2-0 the two times that they played in the regular season. The series between these two in recent seasons has also largely been uh, Alaves's Advantage. They have accrued a 4 4 and 7 record. And you can watch this one on Saturday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time on ESPN Deportes or ESPN Plus, or as we call it, ESPN The Plocho. Your home team, Levante, they are named for being on the East Coast. They're from Valencia. Levante basically means rising. So this has to do with sunrises, which is really cool because there's a team over in Africa or the Indian Ocean that their actual club name uh, is the Sunrisers. So basically they've named their entire club that here instead of just a nickname. Levante is not the best team even from their own particular city or region. That would belong to the actual club called Valencia. So it's a really big deal that this team could be moving up to the top flight. They are known as the Frogs, which I'm not sure goes very well with like being, you know, it's not Sunrise related at all, but that's fine. It's an aminal. It counts. They have won this league's title two different times, most recently 2016-17. Last year, in fact, they were in La Liga, but they finished in second to last place, number 19. And so they dropped back down to the second division once again. In 2012-13, they even got a little international experience while they were up there. They made the Europa League and got all the way to the round of 16. That is their only ever major international appearance. Uh, This year, in the regular season, they finished four goal differential points behind number B, Las Palmas. They almost didn't have to go through all this rigmarole. But a little more offense would have helped them. They were barely above average in that regard. However, they did have a top three defense, giving up less than three quarters of a goal per match on average. Key player for them, second best in save percentage in the league is their goalkeeper, Danny Cardenas. But their MVP, at least amongst outfielders, is a guy with a really cool name. How would you pronounce this person, noob? Um, Pepelo. Pepe Lou or Pepe Lou, I'm not sure. Pepe-lu. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know which syllable gets the emphasis, but it's a pretty cool one of these singular named guys. Uh, he is a Spaniard, plays central midfielder for them. Just one goal and two assists on the season, but that really wasn't his role. Very good passer, as you would expect from a central player. Also a very good dribbler, and he tracks back well on defense. Team's current form, well, that leg one draw that they had here as part of the final snap to four match win streak. And now Alaves, they've got another cool name person. Do you want to give this one a try? 
Babazoros. Babazoros or Babazoros. I'm not even sure which. But check out the pronunciation. It's not from Spanish per se that we know. It's from the Basque language, which is a region in Spain. Look what it means. Beanbag. Yeah. You know why they're called the beanbags? No. Neither do I. I was hoping you knew. <laughs> I tried to find out kind of and really couldn't. Anyway, they played in the city of uh, uh, Vitoria uh, Gastes, which is the the de facto capital, if you will, of uh, Basque country, as well as the Alaves province. This is not even one of the two best clubs from this territory. So just like their opponents today, it would be a pretty nice deal for them to get up to La Liga. Four different times they have won the Segunda División title, most recently 2019-2020. They finished in second place in a tournament that uh, basically is one of the two predecessors for the Europa League. That was back in 2001-2002. Last year they were in La Liga as well, just like their opponents today, but they finished in last place. And so here they are. Pretty well balanced this year. Top five offense, top four defense. Uh, I expect them to try to play for a very low scoring pace if they can manage that on the road. They only get a little bit over a game per match on average. Key players to look for. Uh, tied for third best in clean sheets on the league with 17 of those was Antonio Sibera. But their outfield MVP, I believe, has got to be uh, Luis Roja, their left winger. Ten goals four assists, and yet despite all that offensive power output, he tracks incredibly well back on defense, and he is a wicked tackler. This is a guy, when I'm talking about setting pace, this is a guy who will uh, go for ankles just about as quickly as he'll go for the ball. He is not a nice fellow. He started his career with Real Madrid, actually, so fans there may recognize his name, but he never made any uh, appearances for their senior team. Team's current form, they are 3-4-0 in their last seven, and they've only conceded one goal in their last four matches. Uh, Persanub has stepped out of the room, so I'm just going to have to give you my lone prediction here. Even though they are the road team, I think that defense travels and that the beanbags are going to uh, get the win, even if it takes going to penalty kicks. Match number five. More European action, this time for international teams. The UEFA European Championships qualifying group stage is going on. Ten groups of five or six are all playing off around the continent. They're playing a double round robin in each of the groups, and the top two from each of the groups will make the actual Euros. The matchup we're going to look at this particular week, since it's early, it gives us a, a chance to look at teams that uh, are maybe not necessarily expected to make it all the way, but if they're daydreaming of it, success starts now against one another. Talking about number 45 ranked in Europe, Cyprus, in this case, versus number 33 ranked Republic of Georgia. They are playing in Group A. Scotland and Spain lead the way, uh, and then Norway are also at three points. Uh, these two have a match in hand. They've only played one other match. One of these two is going to have to win, I think, for either of them to have any chance. But I'm going to limit what I say about that right now because it's time to bring back our interview guest. It's unbelievable the incriminating photographs we have or that he thinks we have. We welcome back to the show once again for an easily record, uh, I think on Saturday Night Live, it's the Five Times Club, but I wish I had a smoking jacket for you or something like that. It is uh, it is Thassos from This Is Mappa here to help us with our European Championships qualification education. Thassos, how are you today? You, you are going to delete them afterwards, right? You, you, you're going to delete them, right? I'm going to delete what? 
the, the, the photos you're going to delete oh them? the photos i thought you meant the record of your appearances the photos uh well, yeah. we, could, we could delete them but you don't know us that well and so why would you think that we really had or didn't have copies i think we have to go old school and send you actual photo negatives oh okay we'll have Maybe them we send cloak and dagger style style at a dead drop you know make it really, <laughs> uh, make it like the movie spy game or something with you know, you know something worthy of brad pitt being involved with yeah, Which is exactly yeah, well, how we've always described uh, your show. Uh, this is this is Mappa. We're looking forward to the movie version that gets made someday. And uh, so, between you and Stell, uh, what what actors would play the two of you in uh, the movie version of This Is Mappa? Uh, well, as, as as people who pay attention to the YouTube know, we are both bold, so we'll have to get Bruce Willis to play both of us. Well, I'm not sure he's going to be available to do either of you. Maybe through the power of, uh, given his health, but uh, maybe with the power of AI, we can uh, get something. Yeah. Fun. yeah, exactly. Exactly. All we could do. Um, just trying to think who else? Jason Statham. Jason. Oh, what an amazing call. Maybe him and uh, he's a little bit old, uh, older, but uh, uh, Brian Cranston, a la Breaking Bad, looks pretty good with a shave. With a yeah, 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 he can be still. <laughs> he's like, that's too frightening. That's too frightening for me. He can play still. I want to ride a motorcycle. Jason Statham for me. That's a wonderful. Well, that's what we got. That's what we contacted you for. So thank you so much. For, no, I'm. <laughs> Coming on the show. So, for those who may not be fam familiar, uh, Thassos, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, this is Mappa, if you would. Ah, uh, yes. So it's a it's, it's a podcast on uh, everything to do with Cypriot football. There you go. Very very basic. Very basic. Straight to the point. Yes. If you like Cypriot football. Yeah, and it's everything. You do what first through third divisions for clubs typically. Is that right? Uh, again, bit of everything. Um, depends. It depends where the news is. Gotcha. And obviously, this time of year, we're heading. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I don't think there are any FA Cups left. We are officially fully out of the European club season. Uh, obviously, uh, northern countries, you know, aside, and we'll be, you know, covering those as the season goes on. But now we're more into the international season. And European qualifying, have uh, you and co-host Stell uh, been gearing up for the Euros qualifications? Uh, that's that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Um, with uh, especially with well, what's been what's been happening behind the scenes, kind of uh, around everything else. Uh, it's nice to kind of switch off and and complain about uh, that kind of thing for for a couple of weeks. You and I talked a little bit off air beforehand, so you already know what little I know coming into this about, uh, you know, the, the Euro qualifications, uh, the Cypriot national team in particular. What's the, is there any particular big juicy news going on regarding uh, the Cypriot men's national team? So um, with uh, regards to uh, the, the match in particular we're talking about, the national team coach is uh, Georgian. He's actually from Georgia, uh, and he's actually a legend in Georgian football. It's, Which I'm embarrassed uh, to say I had not known. Who is that? 
So his name is Timori Getsbaya. Uh, and he call him is... Joe. <laughs> Joe Getsbaya. Everybody becomes Joe this side of the pond. I'm still learning. Yeah, he's. Um, he won't be happy to hear that if anybody. Well, if Jason Statham isn't busy enough pretending to be me, he can also pretend to be Getsbaya. He's a very angry, very, very angry, bold man, uh, as Newcastle United fans can attest to. But we have enough of those in America. I don't need any brought over <laughs> from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, for him, especially, it's a very important game, um, considering as well that he's the second top goal scorer for Georgia, uh, historically. So, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting game for him as well as, uh, obviously, for yourself for picking the game uh, and for everybody else in Cyprus and Georgia. Yeah, that makes for a very interesting dynamic for for this particular, you know, for this particular map, Cyprus, uh, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I will have already uh, spoken a little bit about uh uh, before, when we edit up this interview, I will have already spoken about the format uh, for the tournament. So we can kind of jump right into what the table looks like. I know at the time we're recording this, that Georgia and uh, Cyprus are in last place in their particular group of, I don't believe they're in one of the groups of six I don't have in front of me. I believe theirs is just five. Scotland, Norway, Spain are the other ones I'm coming up with. But... Yeah. They have uh, Georgia and Cyprus both have a match in hand and yet a win for either, you know, would it be fair to call this with them having one point between them, a must win game when it comes to uh, credible chances of qualifying? Yeah, I think that's the, uh, that's the issue there. I would expect, I wouldn't expect either of them to be uh, in with a chance, at least at the start of it for qualifying. It's very difficult to see a way past the other three teams in in the league. Uh, sorry, in the group. So, um, but this, if there's anything to, if there's any chance of them for doing it for both teams, this is a must win. Yeah, certainly for Cyprus at home. Yes, yes, that's that's the big thing. Although I don't, yeah. I don't think I don't think a split really, really helps Georgia. Although, let me ask this next: as an American, not just a new fan, but I think even American fans in general, uh, who probably make up the lion's share of listeners uh, for this show, uh, our, our qualifying experiences here in Con the Concacaf part of the world are so incredibly different. Well, from the American standpoint, in particular, you know. U.S. and Mexico are, are mainly always going to qualify for major international competitions. There's just, you know, that that that's the way the size of the nations and the talents dictates things be. Over in Europe, when you're from a comparatively uh, smaller football nation like Georgia or Cyprus, with a limited chance of finishing in the top two, let's say, at the very least on paper, uh, is... One of the primary focuses paying attention to go, okay, what is, is it sort of mentally devising a path and hoping beyond hope that somehow you can slide past two of those three teams? Or does it tend to be far more focused on, we don't really have a shot here. Let's enjoy it for what it is and how we're doing compared to other non-qualifiers. 
Um, well, there's 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 a few things to consider. So obviously, performances in the qualifiers helps with the FIFA ranking, which moves them, which moves a country up a seeding. Uh, and if that happens, then you're more likely to get somebody save uh, a country like, with all res- due respect, a country like Andorra or San Marino, as uh, as uh, one of the teams in the group. And you would look at that game. You would look at that uh, at that game and say, okay, there's six points there. So you more you've got something more to fight for. Um, I think as the draw was happening for this group, in essence, Cyprus were the lowest rank seeded team in the group. So therefore, they'd have the least possible chance to qualify according to what the coefficients say. That's what I was seeing as well. And I was a little bit surprised because I'm used to seeing a bit more of a correlation, uh, you know, not all the time, but a general correlation between uh, the UEFA league ranking coefficients and the national team coefficients. There often tends to be a tie, you know, something of a tie there. But uh, last I saw, the Cypriot First Division was ranked in the top 20 but uh, I believe Cyprus in Europe is what ranked in the, uh, I think they were seated in the mid 40s. Does that sound about right? That sounds, uh, I mean, in the, in, the, uh, in the full FIFA coefficients, I think they're like 100 and something. So that, that makes sense. But yeah, the reason being is obviously the uh, Cypriot teams, as in Abwells, your Aries, and Orthosis. Uh, bring in a lot of foreign talent, um, which is why the league is pushed up as high as it is compared to the nation. Yeah, I wondered how much, you know, how much the, that uh, that current uh, growth or or you know lo- somewhat lofty position for the Cypriot First Division was due to foreign talent in the top leagues, you know, versus development in the country in general, which I'm sure is well, also moving along because obviously. So- yeah, success yeah. breeds success, but it's also a country that is the size that it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. But, I mean, look at Iceland and uh, their performances uh, and their populations. Are they, what, 250,000, something like that? Or 600,000? I'm, I'm not sure of the population of Iceland, but it's smaller than Cyprus. And they've gone to they've gone to finals. They've beaten England in, in finals as well. So, you know, I don't think population size has as much of an effect as it should do. Um, the uh, the big issue that they have in the Cypriot leagues is obviously Aris champions. Uh, they keep getting fined every week for not paying enough Cypriots, which that number, the number of Cypriots to avoid a fine is two. <laughs> now, that's so, what they have to have on the roster or on the field at a given no, time? On the, on, on, on the field to start the game. Wow, that's like the New York right. Yankees and other other big market teams in Major League Baseball. American fans they're willing to they're willing to keep paying that luxury tax. It's like a speeding ticket. Yeah, pretty much. So, Aris, Apoel, uh, uh, Ike, uh, so those uh, and Bafos, those four teams uh, get fined almost every week for not playing enough Cypriots. Oh, all four of them. Uh, as, yeah, as well as uh, a team called Garmiotissa, 
uh, they also get fined a lot for not fielding enough Cypriots. Which is an interesting one because I don't think uh, they were in the relegation uh, round this year, weren't exactly. they? Exactly. Yes, 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 they were. Uh, however, uh, they've, they've spent big on an international roster. Um, so, yeah, they haven't concentrated. Yeah, yeah, not at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, there is there are players to pick for the Cypriot national team. Um they have extended the roster for the national team slightly. I think you, if you have a look at um, uh, at the team that's been picked, out of the 20-something players that have been picked, there is one player called Joel Moll and another one called Anderson Correa. Now, those two aren't very Greek-sounding names, are they? No. No, so no. I'm gonna guess they have like a parental or grandparent lineage to no. Cyprus. No, they've been in the country for more than five years and oh. now have access to a Cypriot passport. Naturalized. Yes, exactly. Now strong enough, and if they've been in Cyprus, and if they've been in the Cypriot first division that long, no offense, they're probably not on the national team in. Uh, Spain or Brazil or wherever, you know, whatever. Yeah, bar. so Anderson, Anderson Correa is uh, Brazilian, Joel Mal is Swiss. Gotcha. Now, how do, uh, how do you and how do you uh, feel that, you know, you know, others uh, connected to the Cypriot team, you know, you know, feel about that? It's like, hey, if it increases our chances of winning, that's great. Or there's some mixed emotions. It, it, it's not a new thing in, for, for the Cypriot team. So, for instance, there are uh, a few players in Cyprus's history that have done that and have been welcomed with open arms. So there's a French player called Vincent Laban, who uh, played for most of his career in Cyprus and actually represented the national team a few times. There is, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a, an influx of, uh, let's say, former Yugoslav Republic uh, people who'd come to Cyprus uh, and became naturalized. So players like Sinisa Gogitz, uh, uh I'm just trying to think of uh, some, uh, say, uh, Spoidaritz as well as another one. Um, Tomitz was one who also uh, Dobrasinovich. There's a bit. There's there's a lot of uh, players from that region that became naturalized Cypriots. In fact, Sinisa Gogic and uh, and the older I say older Spoljarich. I'll come back to that. Uh, and the older Spoljarich actually played in a very famous game for Cyprus against Spain in the 1998. Uh, in the in in a qualifying game in 1998, where Cyprus beat Spain three two. Yeah, that is quite a scalp to get, certainly. Yes, yes. So, uh, and uh, yeah, it, and both uh, Gogic and Spoiljaric scored uh, in in that game. Now, the Spain team had Raulin, they had Fernando Morientes, they had uh, the just recently sacked. Spain manager for the moment. They had, uh, I'm just looking, Fernando Hierro, Michel Salgado. They had, uh, you know, quite a few, quite a few, you know, the kind of famous players in that team. And they went to Cyprus and they lost 3 2. 
I think I, I I would take it as a point of you know you know pride you know where I from a, um, a mid-sized to smaller European country and they're you know they're not just oh you know you know somebody give us a hundred thousand dollars and this person can you know get a you know green card or you know become quote unquote naturalized they've actually been there a while they've chosen to be there mm-hmm. I would almost I think I'm yeah it's a point of pride that there are some you know you know, there, people wanting to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, there is some contention of this uh, with uh, the the latest, with, with Joel Moll in, in particular, uh, because he did come out uh, a couple of seasons ago, kind of covering uh, Cypriot football in a thick layer of manure, talking about how... Uh, the level in Cyprus isn't great. Uh, Cyprus, the Cypriot League, uh, has definite issues, which we all know. But uh, yeah, he went and reported on that, and obviously he's now become naturalised and he's going to represent Cyprus for the first time. And there's a, quite a few people that aren't happy about that because of his previous uh, kind of press interviews regarding uh, regarding that. Sure. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully all can be forgiven because I'm. You well, know, yes. I mean, that, that's my thinking because he's a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's funny how talent can trump all that stuff. Eventually, there's a, a American expression, or at least I, I know it is one because I'm American. He's a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the one. Earmuffs, person new. I'm using language. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, We've uh, Stella and I have interve- interviewed Joel Moll. Uh, he was actually our first uh, first guest on on the podcast, but uh, and he came across as a very nice man. He's uh, very very intelligent. He's very talented, as we talked about before. Uh, so you know, uh, and obviously opinions change over time as as time goes on. Opinions change, uh, and he's obviously thought. Uh, obviously thinks of things a bit more positively uh, and I think we just need to, you know, everybody needs to get behind the team regardless of past opinions For the remainder of the interview go ahead and listen on right through to the end we will tag on the second half at the back end of here of episode 140 Person noob, it's been so long. I can't even remember. Is that the kitties or is that you impersonating the kitties? Me. Yeah, it is you? Oh, I thought you were going to like leave me hanging like it was a secret. Why do we use that as a sounder for the recap? Because we can. Well, that's a good enough reason for me. All right, let's do a recap of last week's matches. Match number one, Major League Soccer. Our feature match had been number six in the West Vancouver versus number one in the East Cincinnati. They played to a 1-1 draw. No change in the table at that time. Match number B from the USL Championship. Championship, number B, Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus number one, Charleston Battery. Pittsburgh got the home win 2-0. Uh, man of the match candidate we said to look for, Canardo Forbes had an assist. These two switched places in the table. The king is dead. Long live the king. Match number three from UEFA's Champions League final. Uh, Manchester City beat Inter 1-0. Match number four from Indonesia's Liga 1. They were having a Champions League playoff final. The two champions for the last two years battling for one upcoming berth. That's PSM Makassar and Bali United. The result was 1-1 in regular time and then on aggregate and then Bali went on to win 6-7 on penalty kicks. A little bit of an upset there. 
Match number five from Canada's Premier League. Number one, Forge FC took on number B, Pacific FC. The road team got the win, nil one. That moves Pacific up to number one and dropped Forge all the way down to third place at the time. Sunday match number six from the African Champions League. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. Number B, team new favorite, Wide Dad AC versus number one, All Ailey. They played to a 1-1 draw. That means on aggregate for the home and away, two-legged tie that All Ailey won 2-3. So congratulations to the once-and-again champions. Match number seven from the Turkish FA Cup, their final, number B, Fenerbahce versus number five, Istanbul, Bashak Shamir. Fenerbahce, not an upset. They got the win 2-0. Guy we said to look for, scored in the first minutes and had a brace. That was Mishi Batshuayi, and he also scored in the 29th. Match number eight from Ghana's Premier League, number three, Ajuana Stars versus number two, Beckham United, and the result was a 2-1 win for the Stars. They switched places in the table, but the number one team won their last match of the season, so they will be the ones who end up going to the Champions League, not these two. Match number nine from Italy's Serie B, the promotion playoff final, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Number three, Bari versus number five, Cagliari. Cagliari got the upset one to two, got the game-winning goal at 90 plus four on the clock, and the first leg had gone 1-1, so congratulations on their return to Serie A to Cagliari. Match number 10 was the CONCACAF Nations League semifinal between the U.S. and Mexico. The U.S. with a resounding 3-0 win. Christian Pulisic with a brace of goals. The match ended up being ended early by the ref because of the uh, Mexican fans once again anti-gay chanting. Will they ever learn or change? Red cards galore in this one after a really bad initial red card level foul by one of the Mexican players. Boy, that rivalry just gets more and more intense as Mexico sees they no longer uh, own the Federation, so to speak, from a soccer standpoint. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later on in the show. The route of the week was a Sunday match from Lithuania. Number one, Panavicius versus number two, Jugas Telsiai. And Panavicius, it was a route indeed 4-0. Most meaningless match of the world from Sierra Leone, the National Premier League, was to be between number 10, Bretonians, SLIFA, and number nine, Old Edwardians. In perfectly meaningless fashion, it was postponed. The existential crisis continues. And then finally, your matchup disappointed was a Sunday match from the Premier League in Kyrgyzstan. Number 10, last place, Karabalta versus number 9, Ilbers. Karabalta got the surprise 1-0 win. They switched places in the table. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. And now we come back to our home region once again, CONCACAF. Gold Cup qualification. Gold Cup is our equivalent of the European Championships. Yeah, national teams in action. The 12 teams that are taking part in this qualification stage have been divided into brackets of four teams each. I won't go way into the weeds on this, just but just know that the teams that qualified for this qualification stage did so by finishing somewhere between number three and number one in their nation's league groups, depending on whether they played in League C, League B, or League A. The important thing to know is that the winner of each of these 14 brackets gets into the Gold Cup. These qualification matches are all being played in Fort Lauderdale, and the one we're going to look at is Guyana, and they are playing host, at least on paper. It's in Fort Lauderdale, as I mentioned, too. Grenada. Yes, not Grenada like the Spanish city, Grenada. We want to be, make sure we get the island country pronunciation right. Uh, now, Guyana, They yes, we are talking about the country that's part of South America. There are 
three nations, I believe, in South America, these smaller ones that uh, have a lot more Caribbean culture to them than the rest of the continent that are part of CONCACAF rather than South America's confederation, CONMEBOL. They are known as the Golden Jaguars. Their FIFA rank is number 170 in the world, best that they have ever done in that regard, number 86 back in 2010. This is the number 18 ranked national team in CONCACAF. That puts them just below Nicaragua, which is probably not one of the stronger Central American teams, just to give you some perspective. They have never qualified for a World Cup. I know you're probably not shocked to hear that. 2019, two iterations ago, was the only time, or the last iteration rather, was the only time they ever qualified for the Gold Cup, and they went 0-1-2. In 2010, they participated in a sub-regional event, the Caribbean Cup, and they finished in eighth place. They qualified for this event by finishing in second place in their Nations League group. Uh, they finished six points behind Haiti and six points ahead of all the others. They went 3-1-2 and two with an 8-14 and 14 goal differential. That offense is okay, but that defense is kind of scary bad, to be honest. On the event scoring leaderboard with three, key player to look for is Omari Glasgow. He's a forward, just 19 years old. And yes, Chicago Fire fans, that's your guy. Plays for the B team there right now. No senior appearances yet, I don't think. But he's already got 10 caps internationally for the Guyana national team. Another guy to look for is Bailey Spencer Adams. He is an English-born defender who currently plays in uh, Leicester City's system. I believe he's with their U23 team. Team's current form, this calendar year, they've played two friendlies, went 1-1-0. Now, the big question, I think, for this is can their manager come? I don't normally look at stuff about the managers. I don't know what compelled me to this time, except maybe the Holy Spirit of soccer, because I discovered some fun history about Jamal Shabazz. He has had to skip matches in the U.S. in the past when his team has come to play, because in 1990, he was part of a government coup attempt in his home nation of Trinidad and Tobago. Yes, we get a second TNT reference. So I know that uh, the coup, they, uh, they thought they had the support of the army and apparently they didn't or not enough of the army. The group was arrested. I'm assuming that he was among them. They had to spend uh, about two years in prison. And this has created uh, problems with U.S. travel for him ever since. So that'll be a little fun, fun, side fun fact to keep track of. All right, and now Grenada, the Spice Boys, because the nickname for the island is the Spice Island, so why not? Their FIFA rank is really close to Guyana. It's just a little bit lower, number 175. In 2009, they were well within the top 100, having made number 88. Their CONCACAF rank is number 25, puts them just above Puerto Rico. They, too, have never been to a World Cup. In 2021, they made the Gold Cup and went 0-0-3. It was their first event appearance in a decade internationally. The last, Their last Caribbean Cup appearance was 2010, and they finished in fourth place. That's tied for the best they've ever done that uh, done in that event. They qualified pretty much automatically by being... Uh, in, nation, in a Nations League A group. They went 0-1-3 in that group. The top two teams from the group automatically qualified for the Gold Cup. The last place teams, they still get their chance here. They had a 4-17 and goal differential. They'll be heading down to League B for Nations League next year. Key player to look for for them, I think, is going to be Regan Charles Cook. He is a winger who currently plays for Belgian side Eupen. 
And he is also born in England. That is not a real uncommon thing for a lot of these Caribbean nations or a lot of smaller and island nations around the world. They go looking for diaspora, people who have parental or grandparental lineage that connects them to the island. That way, if they're not good enough to you know, play for the national team where they live, say France, they can make a one-time switch and get some fun international experience with these sorts of teams to which they have a connection. We've also got a couple of USA connections with this team. Uh, Defender, uh, they both play for the Charleston Battery, actually, in the USL Championship, the second division. Defender Benjamin Etienne and A.J. Patterson, who plays midfielder for them. Uh, He's actually U.S. born and was drafted out of Wright State by NYCFC of Major League Soccer, but they never signed him. Team's current form, uh, their last match, they lost 1-7 to to the United States. Uh, before that, though, they went 1-1-0 against uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, not their national team. They played, uh, they played La Horqueta, the fourth-place club team in Trinidad and Tobago. Oh, prediction time. I nearly forgot. So, Persanoob, since you're back, you missed one. Who do you think is going to win in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Will it be the Golden Jaguars of Guyana or the Spice Boys of Grenada? I think it's going to be the Spice Boys as well. Match number seven. It's trophy time in Tahiti on Sunday. The top flight there is League One in French Polynesia. This is the third ranked league in the OFC. That's the Oceania football confederation that's up two from the last time they did the rankings the top two teams from the league at the end of the year will officially make the ofc champions league playoffs they'll have to play against one another though to determine who actually goes to what i would call the event proper this is the last match weekend of the season and your key matchup number b tifana versus number four dragon let's look at the full table uh p ray they have 28 points and a three goal differential advantage over tifana also of course, then on 28 points. So if P-Ray win on their last game, which they host uh, number six, uh, Turnanava at home, to be honest, they'll probably win that, but this is still a key match just in case. Uh, Tafana would have to score a mess of goals. So obviously they're hoping for a P-Ray uh, draw or even loss somehow. Uh, the match isn't as critical for Dragon. Usually a team that's in the top two in the league, they're down at 22 points. But all we wanted to do this time was make you aware of the importance of the football match going on there, because this is the time of show where Person Noob takes over. Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from around the world. Oh, yeah. This is an Aminol I might not even want to eat. What? What do you think about that? It's very cute, but it just doesn't look like it would have a lot of meat on it. It's a fairly small bird that you have chosen for this week. What is the bird that you found for us to learn about? I found the the Pomeranian, the the Pomera nigra. Yeah, that's the scientific name, probably Latin. It's a little hard to say. What's the easier uh, name for it? Tahiti monarch. Yep, that was the one you chose. It's a little tiny passerine bird, which means it's like a sparrow. That doesn't make it very unique. Over half the birds in the world belong to passerine family. But this bird is very or almost incredibly unique because what is its current status? And it, oh, its current status is critically endangered. That's right, because how many are left? Only 25 to 100. Not a lot of them. And this is a bird. Where else can you find this bird besides uh, Tahiti and French Polynesia? Nowhere. Nowhere? 
Nowhere. Not on any of the other surrounding islands in French Polynesia, even? No. Um, okay. Well, no. Uh, but it's found in, um, bleh. it's found in only four valleys on, uh, on this island. Wow. So not even is it only on Tahiti, but it's on a really small part of Tahiti or very few. Yeah. Okay. Tell me a little about, give me the vital statistics on the bird, what it looks like. Um, well, it's 15 centimeters long and it's black with a pale blue bill. Yeah. I remember seeing a picture. It was so pale that it was almost white. And despite being all black, it was very, very cute. And, uh, We've got some sounds queued up right now. Describe what the people are uh, most likely hearing one or the other of as far as it sounds. Um, uh, well, the call sounds like a tick, 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 uh, and the song is flute-like. Yep, it's a very, very pretty bird. I was trying to find some uh, ornithological sites earlier. Do you know that word? No. Ornithological means birds. It's just a fancy word for birds. All right, what are the sorts of things that are threatening it? Why is it critically endangered? Um, velvet trees and African tulip trees are an invasive, uh, are invasive, invasive plant species, um, uh, and degradation of the habitat. Yeah, because they very specifically like one particular kind of tree, which I'll talk about in a little bit that I found. Uh, what other kind of animals are problems for it? Um, well, tons of my rats and cats. Yeah, rats in particular um, I was reading, I know you came up with the original bird. I did some research and then I did a little bit more reading, uh, secondary reading. It turns out, according to one source, rats are the really big problem. Like, how big are these rats that are going after the birds? But, and the thing is, I would have thought, oh, they must be going after the eggs. No, they're going after the adults. And then, so I guess the, you know, the babies when they hatch, they don't have mommies and daddies. So these must be a lot of rats and or very, very big rats. And what other kinds of animals? Uh, we know that the uh, habitat is being uh, degraded by uh, some invasive plant species. You mentioned there's another problem, isn't there, that's hurting the habitat? Mm -hmm. What are they? Uh, the Tahiti kingfisher birds. Yeah, that's their competition. They're not so much degrading it, but they're using up some of the same space and trying to eat the same food. And so uh, it seems like the kingfishers are slightly winning. Goats are also eating a lot of the uh, plants and other things that these particular birds like. And what they like most, what they live in that is very so very beautiful in uh, Tahiti, I was looking at pictures of them, they're called Mara trees. I know this wasn't part of your notes, but if it's anything like the South American Mara tree, these things are beautiful. They are big and they're broad. I mean, very, very picturesque. They look like a giant, like upside down heart almost, or a giant, you know, mushroom, very, very wide compared to how tall they are. And they get very tall, like 50 meters tall, which is pretty big. But one of the coolest things, if this is the type of tree that I think it is, <clears throat> when it's going to rain, the plant senses it and to help catch the rain, the leaves turn slightly upward so they're kind of like cups a little bit and they catch more of the they catch and hold more of the rain than they would otherwise how cool i didn't know there was any plant that could do that i mean i've heard of turn soles which is a kind of a plant that you know uh, will you know lean towards or turn to face the sun but how a plant would know that it's about to rain that science is beyond me what do you think of that yeah. That could be a whole podcast, although it really wouldn't be a soccer podcast, wouldn't it? No. 
Yeah. So uh, what sort of organization can people contact if they want to uh, help uh, to learn more about it and to help preserve it? Oh, oh, you can go to the Polynesia Ornithological Society, a.k.a. the Manu. Yeah, Manu is a much easier word to say than ornithological, isn't it? Ornithological. Yeah, there. Oh, you finally got it right. Yep. Manu. M A N U is how that's spelled, Manu. by the way. So we encourage you to go online and check that out and see what you can do to help preserve the habitat and save these birds, which there are only a double digit number of left. Match number eight. This is our last match of the weekend. And we're going to do something I loved doing last year. We're going to try to look at at least one quote-unquote lower league here in the U.S. every single year, but we're still only looking for the great matches and races going on. So the league we're going to look at, this is a fairly young one, the USL Women's or W League. It is considered fourth tier. So if you're a fan of the men's side of things, basically think of this as the equivalent to USL League Two. I know on the men's side that those teams tend to predominantly be made up of uh, college kids looking for some play in the summer, maybe people, you know, assistant coaches or fairly recent college grads, you know, who uh, may or may not be on a professional track, but are probably still looking for some opportunities. And that is the case with the USLW. They market themselves as a pre-professional league. This is just their second year of existence, but they already have 30 teams that have been divided into eight divisions. And depending how big the division is, the top one or two teams from each of them will get to go on to the overall league playoffs at the end of the year. The match we've chosen to look at is from the Western Conference, specifically the Northwest Division, where currently number B, United PDX, are taking on number one, Ollie Town. The Western Conference only has five teams in it, so only, uh, or rather the Northwest Division, I should say, so only the winner of this division will get to end up going to the playoffs. And these two teams are tied on points in the table. Ollie Town are listed as number one, even though they don't have the better goal differential because uh, they lead on head-to-head play from when they played earlier this season. Ollie Town won one to three, I believe. All right, let's talk about United PDX first. They play out of Portland. Uh, it's a fairly new club, but the organization has existed a long time in a way. In 2018, there was a merger of two older community, large community soccer organizations, groups of clubs and whatnot that uh, have been around since like the 1980s. They've got over 3,000 participants overall in this organization, and now they have an iteration or club in this particular league. Uh, this is their first year in the USLW. They've got the number one offense going, getting over three and a half goals per match. Tied for second best on defense and the number one goal differential by a factor of 50%. But they'll need a win today and maybe by a couple of goals another in order to potentially take the title. Uh, key player to look for in this one, tied for number three in league scoring with eight. And that's league for overall for the entire country. The entire league is Nedia saw one and she's done it in a lot fewer minutes than others it was hard to find much uh for lower league players so uh we're supposing some things on nedia swan what do we think about nedia swan and that she likes pickles she likes okay nedia saw one she is a soccer player and she really really likes pickles and long walks on the beach that end with uh finding mysterious washed up bodies on the beach no oh she doesn't like those no just pickles and window curtains. Window curtains? Yeah. You are so random. You're random. 
random. Yeah, that's why we do great together, because we're both pretty random. <laughs> why travel in a straight line, New Bites, when you can just do the show this way? Teams current form, three straight wins, and impressively all on the road. And now Town, they are known as the Artesians. They play out of Olympia, Washington. This is their first season in existence, at the very least in this form. And they are undefeated so far. Offense is pretty darn good, but the defense is great. They're all the only team in the league, uh, in the division rather, giving up less than one goal per match. They've got the second best overall goal differential, of course. The team's scoring leader with three goals on the season is Mariah Lee. What do we what do we want to pretend to know about Mariah Lee? Stuff. I think she's named after uh, 80s, 90s, and I suppose still today, uh, pop star Mariah Carey. You don't know who that is, do you? I do. Oh, okay. You were giving me a blank look like you didn't know Mariah Carey. Can you sing any of Mariah Carey's songs? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that appeared on the Love Actually soundtrack. So let's say that about Mariah Lee is that she is a giant fan of the movie Love Actually and loves to do karaoke, but will only, in a bit of irony, cover Whitney Houston songs. She refused to cover every anything by her namesake, Mariah Carey. Exactly. All right. Team's current form. They have won two straight matches. Who do you think is going to win? Is it going to be the visitors, Ollie Town, or will it be United PDX out of Portland? Portland. You think it'll be Portland? Oh, okay. You're going with United. I am going with Ollie Town. So we disagree once again. Match number nine. After a weekend of tracking like that, you get Mondays off. New Bites, do you feel like you need some rest, person noob? Yeah. That was exhausting. But we're back in action on Tuesday for the CAFA Nations Cup. And if you're not familiar with it, that's okay. Not much of anybody really is because it's the first time they've ever held it. That stands for Central Asian Football Association. In fact, the organization, a handful of nations from that part of the world, is only eight years old. This is their first international tournament like this. Uh, The final is being held in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. But this is the time of show where noobs tumbly... Starts to get a little rumbly. I get hungry, and that means it's time for a culture break. One of the other reasons we're also taking a break here is because we don't even know yet who the two finalists are going to be. They're all they're playing all the matches in a very compressed schedule. I know Uzbekistan will actually make the final, but we don't know who the other national team is going to be. Probably Iran. But anyway, cue up a little music here and get ready to learn about Shupa. Yeah, this is a traditional soup from this part of the world. Uh, You're going to need only about 10 minutes prep time for getting all this stuff together. But this is delicious soup that is worth the wait. The total time for cooking is probably a full hour 20. This is a rich lamb and vegetable soup. Uh, Again, the name is Sherpa, and it is a well-known dish all over the country, but you can particularly find it in Uzbekistan, some tasty varieties. It's very simple to make. Now, first of all, person who if you're ever making this for me because i'm not allowed in the kitchen by mommy am i except to do dishes i get too creative so if we ever go shopping here's the stuff we're going to need we want to get not just lamb meat we want to get lamb ribs those are going to be extra fatty and you're going to get a lot of richness into the broth uh yellow onions uh carrots you're going to chop those very very roughly don't dice them but don't slice them you want very very large full bite-sized almost and then some chunks 
uh, medium potatoes, only cut in half, red bell peppers sliced up, chili peppers, tomatoes, as you would imagine, salt, black pepper to taste. I've seen recipes, I looked at a couple, something called Bulgarian pepper, but I don't know what the difference is. Uh, coriander powder, cumin powder, dried basil, cilantro, which I personally would leave out, but that's a me thing. Sweet onion, in addition to the regular yellow onions earlier. Sugar, oil, I've also seen, uh, I've also seen person who, recipes that have included mint, but I don't think it makes the soup minty. I think it uh, helps augment some of the other flavors. And have you ever heard of this in a soup? Because this is a hot one. Depending on the time of year, you might put beetroot in there. And remember, we've done uh, Russian uh, beetroot soup before, haven't we? And what color did that turn the soup? Purple. Yeah, purpley pink and really, 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 really bright pink. So if you're making a winter version, you can include beetroot, but the summer version, you actually, uh, and you probably only skin it and put it in half, you put in an entire red apple in there. What? Yeah, in a hot soup with lamb and carrots and other vegetables. Hot apple. Who would have thought, right? I think it sounds pretty good. At the very least, very interesting, and I'll try anything once. So you're going to season that lamb with the salt and pepper, heat the oil in a Dutch oven. You better have one because so many of these great recipes from all over the world are best prepared in that style. You're going to do the lamb on high heat, browning the meat on all sides for about five minutes. I would have thought that this was a slow cook since you're looking for that rich flavor, but apparently not. Cover the meat with water, bring it to a boil, skim off all the foam, uh, then take it down to low heat. Now you're going to put it on your longer cook for 30 minutes. That sounds a little more normal. Add your carrots and onions to the soup only after about that half hour. You want them to say uh, somewhat crunchy is the goal ultimately. While the soup is cooking, that's a great time to slice up that sweet onion. Uh, you're going to uh, sprinkle that with sugar and lemon juice in a small bowl, put it all together, and marinate the sweet onion with the sugar. Very interesting. Uh, you're going to add potatoes, spices, salt, and pepper to the pot. Simmer it all until the potatoes are almost cooked. That should take about 10 minutes. Only then are you going to add your peppers and tomatoes. You don't, want to, you don't want these things to get too soggy. And so your most pliably skinned vegetables, you want those in for the least amount of time, 10 minutes. Then you add the, air, add the marinated onion and the juices all entirely into the soup. Don't just put the onion in, dump all of it in the whole marinade. Cook it for a few minutes, garnish it with cilantro, and voila, you have an amazing traditional dish, especially if you add in the apple this summer, from the nation of Uzbekistan. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Our final match of the main 10, don't forget we have our three super cool bonus matches coming up is another Tuesday match from Africa. Time for the AFCON qualifiers. That's the international championship for their confederation, the national teams. The teams that are left have been divided into groups of four. They're playing home and away double round robins in each, and the top two from each group will advance onto the event proper-like. 2 p.m. Eastern time is when you can catch this on your screen. Be in sports is the platform. The best-looking matchup to us looked like Sudan versus Mauritania, and here's why. Checking out the table after four of the six matches have been played at the time that uh, we're recording. Uh, Gabon are in first place with seven. Sudan are at six. Mauritania are at five. And uh, Democratic Republic of Congo are not out of it, even though they're in last place. They are at four points. So this looks to be the most competitive group. Nobody is out of it by a far cry. 
The series between these two, they haven't played each, each other very much, or at least recently, 1-0-1 is the record they each have. When they played earlier in this event qualification, it was Mauritania getting a big 3-0 win. I wonder if that goal differential will end up coming into play for who qualifies and who doesn't. All right, Sudan. I had to look it up to see if this was a real thing. Uh, I'm not just person noob. Apparently, I am bird noob. Sudan's mascot are the secretary birds. Yeah, real animal. They have never been to the World Cup. 2021 was their only AFCON appearance in the last decade. They've won the event title once, but it's been a minute, all the way back in 1970. They were drawn out of pot four, which means that on paper, they should be finishing in last place in this group. Their FIFA rank is number 132. Highest they've ever been was number uh, 74. That was back in the mid late nineties. So far here in this event, no draws for them. Two oh and two with a three and five goal differential. They're going to have to cook up a little bit more offense. I think to really uh, keep their place in the table. The country's number three all-time leading scorer is still active. He's got 19 goals in 39 appearances. That is Mohamed Abdelrahman. He plays forward for them and for one of the big two clubs there in their country, Al-Halal Omdurman. Their next best scoring threat is the number three all-time scorer in the nation's history, just with a couple less. Their striker, that is Saif uh, Thierry, T-E-I-R-I. He plays for Farco, a pretty average team over in the Egyptian Premier League, which is a very good league in Africa. Team's current form, uh, well, they had a 1-0 win over first place uh, Gabon, and that snapped a three-match losing streak for them overall. And now Mauritania, they are known as the Lions of Chingeti. Uh, I believe that's a historic or you know, some sort of uh, unofficial region in that area. I don't quite know how to phrase it. What I can tell you for sure is they've never been to the World Cup. The last two AFCONs, though, they made the group stage. Those are the only two event appearances they've ever made, and they have yet to get a win. They have got a couple of draws before. They were drawn out of pot three. So this is a team that was expected to finish third, which is where they are now. But, hey, they're still in contention to do better. Their FIFA rank just outside the top 100, number 113. They are 1-2-1 and one with a 5-4 and four goal differential. All four of their country's all-time greatest scorers are still active for the team. Uh, the most impressive one to me is singularly named Bessem. He plays forward for them. He's had 13 goals and 66 national team appearances. He plays for uh, a domestic league over there. Not one of the great ones, I don't think, but take that with a great assault. FC Nawad Hibu. The guy with the most caps in the nation's history and also one of their great scorers is Ismail Diakite. He plays forward for them, nine goals and 68 appearances. Plays for a pretty okay club over in Tunisia, one of Africa's better leagues. That is uh, FX Safaxian, S-F-A-X-I-E-N. Team's current form, 0-1-1 this year in their last three. Personoob, who do you like to get this past this one in Africa? You like the home team, the Secretary Birds of Sudan, or the Visiting Lions of Mauritania? Secretary Birds. Yeah, I'm going with the Secretary Birds, too, although we're biased, aren't we? We don't like Lions as a mascot. Every third club in the world has Lions. Boo. Even though Lions are from there, and it makes a little more sense than other countries. Looking at you, England, Lions is stupid. We still are not a fan of Lions as a mascot because it's so, so cliche. Bring forth... The bonus matches. 
Thank you very much, first and foremost, to everybody who votes on our polls on Twitter that I put up on usually Mondays or Tuesdays with the candidate matches for these three oh-so-special bonus matches. The first is a first versus last place matchup that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And by the way, you can find me on Twitter as Soccer Noob USA. The match that you have voted in is a Thursday match from the Premier League in Egypt. It is the second ranked league in all of Egypt. Two of the teams at the top of the table will make next year's Champions League. The third place team will go to the secondary tournament, the Confederation Cup. On the other end of the table, just as relevant, three of the 18 teams are going to get relegated. And we're pretty darn close to the end of the season here. And your matchup is number 18, last place, Haras El Hodud versus currently number B, Al Ailey. But don't be distraught. First of all, we make the rules. We get to break the rules. I know Al Ailey aren't in first place, but get this. They're only two points behind Pyramids FC for the lead. They're undefeated, and they have played six fewer matches. So they have like eight matches left, whereas most of the teams, I think, have something like two. So on the other end of the table, Haras El Hudud, they trailed number 15 Aswan by 12 points. That represents the lowest point of safety from relegation. They cannot get there. Their goose is cooked. So one wonders how motivated they will be against Al Ali. Will they be going for a big scalp, throwing everything into it? Or will the team largely be play, going through the motions or maybe even playing reserves? Series between these two, as you would guess, is to been all all Ailey. They have an 11-0-2 record, and quite frankly, I'm uh, surprised Hodud have even won twice. They have not played yet this year, interestingly, even though they're only uh, even though they're most of the way through the season. I believe that's because all Ailey have had a number of matches postponed because, of course, they were off busy winning the Champions League. Haras El Hodud, they play out of Alexandria, and I'm not sure I'm getting the pronunciation of the club right, so I'm going to tell you the translation and go with that. They're known as the Border Guard Club. They have never been to the Champions League, but they have done well enough, uh, particularly between 2006 and 2011, uh, to make the Confederations Cup. They did that five times, and in fact, they got to the group stage three times in that stretch. Last year, they were in the second division in Egypt and won, and so were promoted. Uh, this year, obviously going right back down, and that's mostly because their offense is, I was going to say dreadful, but that assumes that it exists. They're getting only a little bit over a goal every other match on average is all. The defense is better than the worst teams in the league, but that's the best can that can be said for it, and they've got the worst goal differential. The least worst player that they have is probably their veteran defender, 33 years old, Ibrahim El Qadi. He's a good tackler, loads of clearances. Uh, he's a good dribbler when they use him for it, but that doesn't seem to be one of his primary things. Team's current form, ah, we always look for a little bit of hope, a little bit of a silver lining for the last place team in the league for the route of the week. They are including a league cup match, but two of them are league matches. 2-1-0 in their last three. Yeah, winning streak of sorts with a 5-4 and four goal differential. Probably not impressed <laughs> are the greatest team uh, uh, in the African continent of the 20th century and probably this one as well. The Red Devils of Al-Ali, 42 league titles. 
And it's been a minute. The last one was 2019, 2020. So they are not going to be letting up on anyone. They've won the Continental Championship, the Champions League, 11 different times and three of the last four. They just beat Team Noob Fave, uh, Wide Ad AC, in the Champions League final within the last week or so. Number one offense, they get almost two goals per match. It's not the highest scoring league in the world. Number one defense by a lot. Uh, if memory serves, they've only given up seven goals in 24 matches. I got a hard time even on the road seeing them concede one on this particular day. Tied for number three in league scoring with nine for them. Key player Mohamed Sharif. He is their striker, but the league MVP, not just for their team, in my opinion, is Ali Malouf. And I talked a lot about him last season as well. Left back, 33 years old, but really he's more of a true wing back. Five goals, five assists, gets a lot of tackles, but not because he's dropping back on defense. He doesn't accrue a lot of statistics in that regard, and he's a very good dribbler. He is the engine that gets their offense going as well. Team's current form, said it before, said it again. They just won the Champions League. How much better form can you be in than that? Well, I'll add this. They haven't lost a match since late March. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) We come not to poke fun of them, but rather celebrate them as we have just done in song. Two mid-tablers that you have voted in from some top flight league in the world. So meaningless. An existential crisis. This time to be had on a Saturday, you have voted in a women's match. And not that that makes it meaningless. It's just that the two teams are in the middle of the table. From the Kanselainen Liga in Finland, that's the top flight. It is the 24th ranked league in Europe. Only their winner gets to go to the Champions League. On the other end of things, the last place team will get relegated. The second to last place team will play in a relegation playoff. And that's not really going to probably matter for either of these two teams. Hence the meaninglessness at the halfway point of the season, roughly. Your matchup, number five, Ilves versus number six, PK35 Vanta. Ilves currently lead uh, PKV by five on goal differential. Give you an idea of why it's so meaningless. They trail number one KUPS, who I believe are running away with the league, by nine points. They trail pointless number 10 ONS by 12. When the two teams played earlier, they had did so to a very appropriate and meaningless nil-nil draw. The series between these two has been all PKV. They've got a 5-1-1 one, and one record. Both teams are sporting this year a perfectly meaningless 3-3-3 three, three, and three record. Oh, so satisfying. Ilves. I don't know what the beast face is that is the entirety of their crest, but it is one of the scariest things that I have ever seen. Google it up for some nightmare fuel. It'll work better than coffee. Yikes. They play out of the city of Tampere, and it is the sauna capital of the world. Not just more saunas per capita, but I believe just more saunas than anywhere else, period. Fun fact about them. Last year, this team finished in seventh place. This year, the offense well below average. The defense a fair bit above average. They're giving up less than a goal and a half per match. Overall, number seven goal differential. They're not in real danger of sliding down towards the relegation zone. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three with a 4-4 four, and four goal differential, more numerical symmetry. And now PK35 Vanta. Vanta is part of the greater Helsinki area. It, 
borders it, I believe, to the north. One of the fun facts that I found out about this is this is a thing everywhere, but there they make it a real, almost slightly more formal thing. This is the home of what they call beer floating. They've had a giant event since 1997. Not that it started off giant, but basically people, uh, and they never really announce exactly when it's going to be. You just sort of have to be paying attention to, I suppose, these days, social media or wherever to figure out when it's going to happen. And as many as 5,000 people will show up with rubber rafts and other boats loaded down with nothing but beer, just about enough to sink every single one. And people, it's not a race. People just float down the river with their giant bars and they go like 12 or 30 miles or something like that. And then they're drunk and they're done. Sounds like the greatest thing ever. The club has had a men's club uh, from 1935 up until 2016, but now they are solely focused on the women's end of things. Uh, the women's team has seven league titles. Last time they won one was 2018. They reached the Champions League round of 32 each of the four times that they have been there. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, they slipped a little bit farther, mostly because of their defense. They're giving up over two and a quarter goals per match. That's second worst in the league. The offense is a little bit below average is all, but that's really where their bread was buttered previously and where they've also fallen off. Tied for number four in league scoring for them, the gal who's getting most of their stuff, she's got five goals, is Wilma Forsblum, just 19 years old. One wonders if she might be making a move over to Sweden or maybe over into Western Europe in one of the bigger leagues sooner rather than later. Teams current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three, sporting a, a kind of stinky three, three against nine goal differential. And now, appropriately, match number 13 of the show, the final bonus match, two last place teams that you have voted in. We call it the match of... Disappointed! And then we pee ourselves because Kevin Sorbo's voice is so scary. Did you pee yourself, person new? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say no, and I would be like, you didn't tell, you wouldn't tell me if you did. But, oh, you copped to it. That's awesome. All right. Your match of Disappointed is a Sunday match from the Lao League, the top top, the top flight in Laos, which is uh, right about the two-thirds mark as far as uh, where it is in the AFC. They're ranked number 36 out of about, I want to say, 46 or 48 uh, league associations there. The winner will get to go to the AFC Cup. That's the secondary tournament in Asia, and doesn't matter at all for these two sad sack bottom feeders. There's only three matches left in the season. They ain't going anywhere. Number nine, Champasak versus number eight, Nantha United. Uh, Nantha currently leads Champasak by one in the table. And uh, when they played earlier this season, Nantha United uh, won two to one. The only good thing that we can say about or regarding these clubs is that uh, maybe this is bad for us. They're going to be back. There's no relegation this particular league this year. All right, let's talk about uh, the atrocity that is Champasak first, and not just from a football standpoint, strictly speaking. They are from the city of Pakse in the Champasak province, which is in the southwest corner of the country, a city of about 125,000 people. Uh, history buffs might know, especially somewhat recent history buffs, uh, this area is famous because it's an economic hub in the area because of a bridge that was largely funded and built by the Japanese that goes over the Mekong over into Thailand. The team are known as the Freshwater Dolphins, which is very, very specific, I have a feeling. It's just an oddity in the translation there. What I've got for you about this club is this, and this is what makes them extra disappointing, person noob. In 2015, the BBC from over in England 
did a detailed report about this club, busted them essentially for trafficking kids for soccer, young African players, uh, particularly from the East Coast of Africa. Or no, not uh, Liberia was the country I think that they were primarily getting from. So what they were doing is they would send a representative, representatives to Liberia, maybe other nations, and they would get kids as young as 14 to sign contracts for like up to six years, which is very against the rules by FIFA standards and probably illegal in these and many, many other countries. And then they would take them to this quote-unquote academy over up in Laos. Now, an academy sounds like a school, doesn't it? It wasn't. Basically, they had grounds that they would play on in locker rooms and the players, now the club denies all this, but I think the BBC probably had it right. The players would basically have to sleep on the floor, weren't getting paid, were only being given just enough to eat. And the uh, the thought was that they would probably try to develop these players just enough to sell them on to uh, you know bigger leagues in Asia or maybe some of the smaller European leagues for a slight profit. So essentially, they were getting kids slaves to play soccer for them. Boo! Boo! Talk about disappointed, and usually we have some fun from the disappointing, but that's really awful, isn't it? And yet they're still allowed to be in the league. I don't know how that works. They should kick them out. I think they've got nine teams in the league is all. Yeah, that's right. They have nine teams. Why not make it an even number anyway? Yikes. Last year, this team finished in last place of seven clubs. We're happy to see that. This year, they've got the worst offense, getting less than a goal every other match. I guess it's harder to do when you're not doing kid soccer slaves. The defense isn't a lot better. They give up almost three and a half goals per match, and they've got the worst goal differential. Team's current form, they've lost three straight and have seemingly given up all hope. Two goals scored, 32 goals conceded. They ought to reintroduce uh, relegation this year just for this team. And now the team that will root for simply by default, Namtha United. That is on the far end of the country in the north, capital of the Luang Namtha province. Uh, it's a city of about 35,000 people. It's regionally known for being a hub for outdoor enthusiasts. You get a lot of bikers and just uh, foot trekkers in the northern hill country in this part of the nation. I can't tell you a lot about the club. I don't know if it's a brand new one or if they've been playing in a second division. All I know for sure from the brief research I did is that they were not in the top flight last year. This year, their offense and their defense are a little bit better on paper than they're showing as far as where they are in the table. They're number six pretty much in those regards. So I think they're going to have an easy time in their match today. They're a little bit better than their record shows. Team's current form, though, they have lost two straight, and they are winless in their last five. So... While we are going to reserve this for Champasak, really more than Namtha, rather than wishing these teams good luck and good fortune, we instead tend to uh, choose to shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. And that will almost wrap up episode 140 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. We will recap our predictions next week, see uh, who won out between me and the kid. That'll be a new thing. That'll be lots of fun. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations as always remain on fire. To my daughter, Person Noob, Mwah, thank you so much. I love that you were able to help me out with this show. So interested in that, you know, in doing it, and especially your animal segment is just so awesome. 
And thank you to you for finding us and listening to us. We hope if you've enjoyed it, that you will pass this along to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, we invite you to have a fabulous footy week and to take care. And now, and there won't be a second outro after this, folks, but we will simply fade away with the second part of our interview with Thassos. And I am back. I am assuming that we are back with Thassos if he has chosen to grace us for part two. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure, why not? Oh, <laughs> you had some free time. A meeting got canceled. <laughs> the Yank is polite enough. I guess we'll try to teach him a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, I know. I, hey, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm getting... I'm getting that. I'm not learning Cypriot Greek yet, but I think I'm closer to saying Mappa right than I once was. And uh, oh, uh, yeah, you're the you're in the past, and I now know that you have a Georgian coach. Yeah, every the mm-hmm. whole world is uh, soccer noobs oyster, but we're getting bigger pearls uh, out of Cyprus uh, thanks to you, and of course. You know, thanks to Stell with the, you know, you know, the two of you, not only your appearances here, but that this is Mappa show that we enjoy so much. We don't yes, watch a much. lot of stuff because it's it's hard to pick, but there are a handful mm. of things that we catch regularly. And I say we person who she kind of she kind of goes in and out, to be honest. She'll watch a couple minutes and then move yeah. on to sketching anime characters or something. But she'll sit with me. Yeah, the language can be a bit salty as well. So, (laughs) well, she's getting ready to start middle school. So, if she did a show with her friends, probably uh, you would be covering your ears of some of the things that (laughs) maybe her friends would say. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. All right. So, we've been talking uh, European qualification in general, the Cypriot team in general. Uh, Let's now let's talk about. Uh, Cyprus's uh, first match. Um, I'm trying to suddenly remember who they played. I know Georgia got a draw in their first match in the group, and that uh, I'm drawing a blank suddenly on who Cyprus played in their first one. Was it Scotland? Scotland, yeah. Scotland. Oh, that's right. That was on the road, nil three, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotland is. I haven't looked at their uh, UEFA or uh, FIFA rankings, but I I know that the uh, the league is a top it's 10 better. one over there. So I've got to think that their national team, that that's, you know, not a fluke. I'm pretty sure they're seated second in this group. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's correct. Um, the, so what did you take from that? What did you take from that particular game uh, from the Cypriot standpoint? Uh, I mean, the, the, the negative tactics from the coach were disappointing. Um, he, in the first 11, he somehow managed to pick six defenders or seven, seven defensive players, uh, and was expecting to score. I don't know. I don't understand how how he thought he was going to tackle that game with seven defensive players. But there it is. And, and given um, to concede fewer than three, probably was the expectation as well. Pretty much, yeah. But I mean the. One of them was very, very, very late on. I think it was in injury time uh, when, you know, he decided to change tactics and actually attack Scotland. So, yeah, it was very, the the tactics were very, very disappointing. And the hope is here that he's going to go with some, you know, some tactics that are a a 
bit more attack-minded, especially with kind of with uh, the players that are available to him. Yeah, one could understand if, and obviously this is just a hypothetical from me that you know, perhaps if there was you know true logic, the logic was let's park the bus, you know, and try to you know let's park the bus after a long trip to Scotland and you know hope for a nil-nil draw and then you know use a more balanced lineup at home have has there been an announcement for what uh i suppose we're still we're still far enough away from the game we don't know who's going to start yet has there been any uh-huh. has there been any official talk from the camp that they're going to make changes in the starting lineup well um so there's been a few injuries um Biero Sodirio, who actually plays in japan uh, is is injured so he's not going to be taking part it's very disappointing because he's the top goal scorer for the Super National team with the players available at the moment. Um, and obviously, he's he, historically, he's actually travelled around Europe and uh, and he's in Japan now. But he everywhere he's gone, he's basically scored goals. So he started off at Olympiagos. He went to Abuel. From Abuel, he went to Copenhagen. He's been to Astana in Kazakhstan, Ludogorets in Bulgaria, and from there he's gone to uh, San Frecce, Hiroshima in Japan. Um, but yeah, he's not available, which is disappointing. However, we we have kind of in replacement. We've got Ioannis Pitas, who plays for Abolon. He's basically he was joint top goal scorer in the league in Cyprus. So uh, and it's being looked in, in rumors say he's being looked at by your Olympiagos and your Panathinaikos in Greece. So it'd be interesting to find out how his summer develops. Yeah, how um, big a jump is that to go from uh, the Cypriot First Division to the Greek Super League? By the way, I've always wondered that. Um, it's it depends on the team you join. The team you leave and the team you join, I think. Let's, let's talk kind of, big three. Let's talk uh, big four. Uh, big four from Cyprus to big three in uh, in Greece. Yeah, so there is a bit of a jump there. So obviously, kind of the champion in Greece or the top two at least. No, the champion in Greece gets into championship the Champions League qualifiers automatically. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the the league itself is uh, better. However, in Greece, the top four and kind of the rest of the league, there's a big chasm in, in quality with, uh, between that. Whereas you've got your top three, four in Cyprus could probably compete very well in the in the Greek Super League. Uh, and then you've got three or four that might Struggle that will struggle against relegation, and then you've got three or four that would get relegated from the Super League. So it's uh, it, it swings and roundabouts really. There, on on average, it kind of almost balances, uh, just because uh, of the amount of teams that struggle in the Greek Super League. It's so common um, for leagues to be top heavy. I'm realizing, uh, I'm realizing a minute after the fact that that's probably that the way I'm asking that, the way I end up asking that question <laughs> doesn't end up. It's like, well, it's you know, it's yeah. a question that the words make sense, and yet the answer or answers can only tell you so much because it's really about you know individual clubs yeah. or clumps of clubs as opposed yeah. to the whole league. So, 
the, the situation in Cyprus is a bit more complicated because obviously you've got this playoff split. Uh, and the idea was top six is not is uh, relatively straightforward. However, now because of Aris and Bafos arriving there, there's actually eight teams now that would be uh, kind of pushing for those top six places. And each one of those teams will be aiming for the league, for winning the league as well. Whereas you wouldn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have that in Greece. You've got your Panathinaikos, you've got Olympiakos, you've got Ajax Athens. Uh, Is there got... any talk with the FA there that with, with a with a change like that, you know, if and if they don't think that it's a very short term thing, if they feel like that's a development that can hold, having that many teams that could compete for the title, has there been any talk, or do you see them having the uh, flexibility to consider in the even in the short term? dumping the championship round division and just doing say oh i don't know a triple round robin <laughs> uh, that is a question for the ages um we're actually going to decide by out. your laugh if i had asked a really really interesting question that has been being asked or if i Asked a really, sorry. really good question. Sorry, no, it's a good question. <laughs> it's just the answer is very stupid. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I'm glad it's the answer and not the question itself. So, no, 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 it's the answer that's stupid. But yeah, yeah. Um, regardless, regardless, it's uh, that's kind of for when I get invited to talk about things next season, you know. There you we go. Can, okay. We can delve into that a bit further. Hold on, yeah, we'll hold off on that, and uh, so as not to incur the wrath of your FA and how maybe inflexible they are with their thinking at times. At least I'm going to guess. Hopefully, they don't yeah, exactly. send angry bald men after me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the uh, back to this particular game and the national uh, team. Now I'm seeing with the Cypriot national team never qualified for the world cup. I'm a little bit oh. surprised that they've never qualified for the euros proper either. Is that, I, I I'm surprised. Should I be? Um, no, you shouldn't be. Um, uh, it's basically because the amount of teams that, that go to these finals, uh, before a certain date, there were only 16 teams going. I think now they've extended it to a few more teams uh, and they keep going, keep making the, the, the competition bigger and bigger. Um, now, the thinking is obviously uh, for a team like Cyprus, they can obviously break into it now. The competition's got bigger. But yeah, at the, uh, the closest we've ever been is uh, that tournament there where we beat, where we beat Spain. Um, I think uh, we were only like two or three points off getting to a playoff position to be able to go uh, yeah, to, to to be able to go to the Euros for that um, for that specific tournament. But apart from that, it's fourth, third, fourth, and fifth, and even sixth place finishes in in the group. Uh, what do you yeah. feel like Cyprus is? Uh, uh... Chances are this year. I'm realizing long. I just want to see how long. Or yeah. How long. Um, so Spain are going through some trouble at the moment. Uh, they're going through kind of this period of transition. 
there obviously their, their World Cup was a bit of a disaster. Um, and uh, Louis Louis Enrique, who was in charge of them, is gone, which which is a shame because uh, I'm pretty sure he would have had the psychological trauma of the last time he played Cyprus as a player. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, Norway. Uh, I've got Haaland, so um, as long if you can keep Haaland quiet, it makes it a lot easier to play Norway. However, they do have that um, they do have that tank up front who can't stop scoring goals. So uh, it's going to be a very difficult yeah, one. Yeah, the mighty Nordic um, meat shield has a lot of uh, has a lot of pace to him. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, and then, uh, and then Scotland have got a very, very strong team as well. So it's a very, very long shot, especially considering you know how the team turned out against Scotland the last time. My, I would my be, I, I would, I would like for them to not finish bottom. That's that's what that would be great. And that all starts with a win against Georgia, and then the idea yep. of climbing the table probably continues with it might have as much or more to do with uh, the other teams when they're playing each other. It probably, uh, I'm going to guess that uh, uh, teams like Georgia and Cyprus this year, that they're uh, any long shot hopes they have. Uh, rest on other teams dropped points they would probably love to see norway scotland and uh, uh spain all you know you know have six draws between them yeah exactly gotta have a lot of dropped points defend home pick up some points on the road see if you know see what you can sneak out i i love seeing you know tight divisions like that and obviously i'm hoping for that here and i don't think it's completely impossible to see stuff like that just because it seems especially early in uh, group stages of general competitions that teams seem to be a little bit of tight and you get some more low scoring draws and you mm-hmm. know the scotland the scotland game for cyprus aside you know you know hopefully we can hopefully we can see some you know nil nils and one ones on the road and then some you know one one zero or two one wins, you know, at home. Mm-hmm. You know, for Cyprus, yep. what do you feel like their chances are against uh, Georgia at home? No, I think they. I think they've got a very very good chance. They should be beating Georgia at home, just because the amount of players from uh, kind of more elite leagues, so that that we have. So, for instance, we've got uh, three players in the Belgium leagues. No, I've got a note on one and I was just going to mention it so you could go to the others. Uh, uh, I know that it seemed like the biggest club name that I saw was uh, Konstantinos uh, Leifus, if I'm saying it right. Their center back, Standard Liege. Who else are we talking about? So we've also got uh, at Charleroi, the Stelios Andreu. Um, I'm just looking through the list and I can't see the third one, which is disappointing, uh, which is Fanos Cadellaris. So he must be injured again. Um, <laughs> again? <laughs> that yeah. Sounds yeah, like there's a little was, wistfulness in there. He, he was, I think he was injured in March as well, which is why he didn't go play against Scotland. Um, but he's a very, very, very good player as well. Um, but yeah, so we've got uh, Rigoris Castanos in midfield who plays for Salernitana in Italy. Uh, there's Nicolas Ioannou who uh, is in Serie B in Italy for Como. Uh, there's uh, Alexander Gogic 
who is uh, I, I refer to him as Gogic C, uh, Junior. He's not going to like that, but uh, yeah, he's he's. I mentioned uh, Sinisa Gogic in part one uh, as a kind of the legend for Cyprus. Alexander Gogic, Blanche, by the way, to call him anything you want. You've got Jason Statham on your side now. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, mind you, uh, Alexander Gogic is also a bold uh, kind of angryish man. Uh-oh. So. <laughs> he plays for St. Mirren in Scotland, uh, and I think they came fourth uh, this season. I so, know it wasn't know, top three. I trust you on the rest of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, it was like their highest place finish for like 40 years or something like that. So he's having a very good season. Um, I'm just trying to see who, who else we've got on this list. Sure. How, uh, important, how important do you find it? Because there are a lot of U.S. fans that weigh it very, very heavily here, this badge of going oh, to Western Europe in particular. How critical is it for these players to be getting experience in those top six or seven leagues? Well, yeah, so the reason why we um, we seem to have these players in these leagues is a lot of them actually leave when they're very, very young because they don't get the opportunity in the Cypriot leagues. Which with that, and that's and that's where the dis- disappointment is. Um, there are some teams that uh, are kind of at the moment, due to financial difficulties, are going to be concentrating more on the youth development, which is a great, 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 great chance for for Cyprus. Um, but yeah, there's there's uh, there's a very big missed opportunities for a lot of youth players in Cyprus. Do you think uh, the youth to, to players perform. will be more tempted to stay at home if given the chance, or will they, uh, or or is the allure of going to Western Europe like I was seeing, uh, uh, Leifus? And am I saying that right, or even close to right? Yeah, Leifus. Yeah, yeah, Leifus. He came up with uh, Nottingham Forest, I believe. So is now is he a guy who would have uh, who would have stayed home? Do you think, for example, uh, with with well, greater opportunities in Cyprus, no, or, or no, are those no. two, are those academies still too alluring? No, those. I mean, as as a Cypriot, I'd say go to those other academies. The academies in Cyprus are very poor. Um, so uh, I'm just trying to think of some. There's there's an example. As an example, American uh, listeners will know, uh, Marinos Jonis, who plays for Sporting Kansas City. So he came from the Omonia youth teams uh, and performed to such a standard that he was actually, yeah, he was bought by Sporting Kansas. Uh, last MLS season, he was kind of like a bit part player. Uh, this season, he's coming more to the forefront, which is which is good to see. I think he scored uh, either, I think two weeks ago he scored. Three weeks ago, he scored for, for for Sporting Kansas. So he's performing very well at the moment. There's a few players in uh, the UK youth system that can represent Cyprus that the Cypriot FA are not contacting. Uh, we actually interviewed uh, a 16-year-old who plays for the Watford Academies called Gabriel Ortelli. Uh, and he basically had to, he contacted the Cyprus FA rather than the other way around to tell them that he wants to represent Cyprus. 
Wow, now, that's wonderful. Now, it's uh, we yeah, kind of have some of this he, in America with the last administration. People often asking, why aren't we, you know, recruiting some of these, you know, you know, youth players, particularly thinking of those who have, you know, multiple opportunities as far as where they could choose to play internationally down the road. It's unfortunate when you have to have a player do the contacting and not the administration, but at exactly. least it's happening. Exactly. Well, it's not. It's not. That's the that's the that's the point I'm trying to make. Is Ortelli had to contact the Cyprus FA to tell them, "Can I play for Cyprus?" Which is very disappointing. Another one uh, again in Watford is Matthew Delifair, De- I think his name is. Uh, he also had to contact the Cypriot national. Uh, there's Cyprus FA. Oh, you don't uh, want him. You don't want him. Well. I mean, anybody that goes to play the, for for Watford, that crest, it looks like a vaginoplasty gone wrong, like a diagram. Anybody that chooses Watford, <laughs> that's out. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. yeah, you, will yeah, never yeah look, I... you will never look at that crest the same way again. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Nightmare fuel. Yeah. All right, I'm going to try and move on very quickly. Uh, or, or, or no, I'm going to drag it out. I'm just going to let it linger for a little bit. Um, but no, there's uh, Marcus Edwards plays for Porto at the moment. He's well known. He's he's now trying to break break into the England squad, obviously, with his performances. Uh, there, uh, I'm kind of like very angry about Gareth Southgate for not picking him because he's a very very good player. He's performing well. He's just not playing in. I don't understand why he's not picking him. But anyway. But like could Edwards, he then be motivated to make a, a switch to Cyprus then? Uh, maybe, but he's still holding out for that England call-up. Well, time so, is, uh, yeah, everything is a short-term statistic. So hopefully he'll get, hopefully he'll get bored if it doesn't happen. And uh, well, yeah. come, come play yeah. for it. Come play for come play for Cyprus. There's one other player I want to ask about selfishly, just yep. because I always I always prepare in case something goes wrong, as if as if an interview won't happen. Like say, for example, we had technical difficulties, or you came to your senses, or you know, you know something like that. Um, I, I take a very limited look at the at the roster side. Who do I think, just based on what I'm seeing on digital paper? Uh, who is worth you know looking at, telling people to watch out for? I noticed that at least on the list I saw that the most capped player you have is Dimitris uh, Christoffi. Yep. Yes, he that's plays correct. Yeah. veteran, thirty-four years old. Now I know he's been in Switzerland, but currently plays for uh, a Northosis, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a look there, actually the the. Uh, the roster is very anorthosis heavy, uh, and that's because Tamori Getspire, the coach, is actually he's played for anorthosis before. He was also manager for anorthosis twice before, uh, uh, and he, he seems to uh, he seems to like the players at anorthosis. To well, to familiarity uh, at, with at least, success. Yeah, at, at least to uh, to. Well, me and Stel think it's to the detriment of the national team because Anorthosis finished seventh in the league. But regardless, Christophe was one of the players who performed very well for them, especially uh, in the close season. Um, yeah, he, he managed to score quite a few goals 
few few assists in the uh, in the uh, kind of towards the end of the season. So he, uh, I believe, is there on merit. He's a player who's performed well for the uh, national team previously. He's been around the block. He's very experienced, uh, and I think yeah, he. he it he, sounds he like to be overreaching, there. though, to be looking at just his national caps and saying, okay, this is a guy that I need to have near the top of my watch list when I'm catching this on Fox Soccer Plus, as opposed to, no, he's a very competent player, and that's fine. Oh, yeah, no, he's a, he's a very competent player. Um, he's he's done very well in his career. It's just that you know, he's towards the end of his career now. So you would hope that rather than playing Christophe, the manager would go for somebody kind of along the lines of Loizu on the wing. Loizu is a very, very fast pacey winger. Uh, has done very well with Omonia. Gotcha. Uh, keep, keep somebody like Christophe, you know, maybe they're more of a locker room guy in a late game defensive sub if you've got a lead or something like well, that. Not, not necessarily defensive. But yeah, I don't know why. I, who, I was thinking he was center back for some, but no, he played. Yeah, no, no. Somebody, somebody who will have a bit more knowledge of the game and probably keep more control of the ball, you know, kind of keep keep the game with the team. But yeah, he's a, he is a good player. It's just that you know, if if I, if I see him in the first team, I'd be I'd be a bit disappointed. Okay, so I did totally other options. Miss with the two guys that I had on on my was the other one to look at, but Christophe is not necessarily at the very top. That's cool. who was the other one. Life is life is very good. Oh yeah, life, no, life is. I think yeah, with standard liege. I'm just surprised that he was the only Belgian player I happen to notice because when I'm going through all these national teams, that is one of the things you know, that I'm looking for. It's like, okay, yeah. who is who is with club names, you know, from the big six or seven leagues in Europe? And then it's a matter of, okay, well, is this person there and playing a lot or is this person just there? So mm -hmm. that's always, that's always step number two. And then real briefly to get into the Georgian side, uh, we were both, we've both been discovering, uh, gosh, this name, Kavicha Kavarachkelia. Yep. That's the is one. this a one-man team from Georgia, to the best of your knowledge? or Because he was the player uh, in Serie A this year. Or do they have some other talent that you know of? Uh, well, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to find the team now to have a look. Uh, I know Georgie Loria is uh, one of the goalkeepers who uh, gets picked a lot. And he plays for Anorthosis in the, uh, uh, in, in, in the league for, for them. Um, he's been very disappointing this season, so I'd be surprised if he's actually still been called up. I'm just checking now. Um, While you're looking at that, I'll say the, the only other name that I had here, it was another one of those that was just because he's the only guy with more than 100 caps. Uh, their captain plays center back for them, uh, Guram Kashia. Yeah. Well, yes, American fans, uh, San Jose Earthquakes, you had him for a bit. He's, with, he's over at uh, Slovan Bratislava now. Yeah. So I, 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 I am looking at it, and yeah, Loria is, uh, has been picked. So I'm very surprised at that. That's a very interesting one. I'm just looking at a couple of the other players. So there's two players for Abuel. That's my team in Cyprus. Um, uh, one is uh, Lashad Vali, who's been 
not great. I wouldn't say he's been bad, but he's not been he's not been fantastic for them. And Georgi Kvilidaya, who plays up front for Abuel, uh, and he's been uh, he, he works very hard, but he hasn't scored many goals this season. He's he's been he's been disappointing. Uh, but uh, both players seem to have got a call up, so I guess that's good for them. Now the kind of my knowledge of Georgia is more from previous players. So again, I mentioned Tomori gets buyer uh, as uh, is a big one. Uh, as as a, he's actually coached Georgia as well uh, as a national coach at one point, uh, and he's uh, he's one of their I think he's their second top goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one that I'm aware of that uh, people listening to the podcast might not be is Georgia King Clancy. Uh, he played for a very long time for Derby County when they were in the Premier League. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, I think he's a bit of a legend in Georgia as well. Yeah, what team um, did you say that was again? Derby County. Oh, Derby, okay. Yeah. And uh, and the other ones, obviously, I think uh, I don't know. I don't know if people in America will know, but it's Shotel Valadzi. Uh, he he played, he played for Ajax and Rangers. Uh, actually, uh, Rangers fans think of him. Uh, they think of him very positively in uh, when when he was there. So yeah. those, are, those are certainly two teams that garner a lot of attention over here. The Scott, you know, Scottish big two for obvious reasons, and then and then Ajax yeah. as well, just yeah. for being such a development, good development team in a pretty good league anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right, prediction exactly. time. Let's get to it. Uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I am going to let you know just so you can make a more sensible one. I am going to say I'm a high scoring affair because uh, I think Georgia will. I think Georgia will attack on the road. They get to play in a playoff round no matter how their group stage goes uh, because of their uh, Nations League uh, group win uh, from this past year. So I think that they will come out fighting, aggressive, get two goals, but that Cypria, uh, the Cypria side will win with three. I think it's going to be a shootout. Oh, see. See, I, I like this. I like this. Um, I not as confident of a high scoring game i'm thinking it's going to be more like a more like a uh, 1-0 or a 2-1 now i want to say cyprus uh just based off of what i know about this team compared to the very little i know about the georgian national team um but yeah the defensively it, they're very cyprus has got very solid team defensively what I would like to see, though, from the Cypriot manager is to not play defensive midfielders in the central of defence, like <laughs> what he did against Scotland. That would be good. Uh, for instance, you play Gogic in front of the, def- the, the, the four defenders. Uh, I can't I wait wanted... to watch this one just to, just to look for that because I'll be following on Twitter at the same time and seeing if, you, you know, if that happens, there will be comments about all the midfielders. And I'm like, I know to look for that. Look at all these guys that are I playing will... where they shouldn't be. I will, I will blow a gasket if he plays Gogic in defense. Um, but, yeah, um, Gastanos, I'm looking for him to be the playmaker he's supposed to be. He was very disappointing against Scotland. 
I would like to see Gostas Pileras of Aris play. He's a very forward-thinking kind of fullback. He likes to push forward, deliver crosses into the box. Uh, very good free kick taker as well. So maybe we might see some. Uh, maybe we might see the team try to get some set plays. If people are going to watch the game, uh, I would say expect a lot of diving from the Cypriot national team. That seems to be a big thing that for some reason we can't get the team to stop doing a lot of diving. Maybe they've all got vertigo. I don't know, but it's really annoying. <laughs> that That is unfortunate, but nevertheless, uh, we will be encouraging uh, uh, Team New will still be on, on the Cypriot uh, side for this, cheering as we always are. So we're both predicting, it sounds like, one uh, one one goal victories. I was going to say one run as if it was baseball, one goal victories, uh, just a question of uh, whether it's going to be high scoring or, you know, be something a, a little bit more common. Of yeah, a score. But either way, three points for the fighting and, Mouflons. And please, 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 please ask person noob to predict a win for Cyprus because, because she, she, she's beaten me at the predictions so far. We don't think pretty time. good. I, and I picked Eris to win the league by accident, I think, a while ago. Well, yeah, so there you go. So, so there you go. Um, you so know, you can bank uh, so bet all your you quid on, on Cyprus by one, New Bites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully you guys are correct. Well, Tassos, we truly appreciate your time. It has been rich. It has been enlightening. And even over the... Uh, even digitally, I can tell you—you you smell like a a, a a a library full of old books and mahogany shelves. It's been wonderful. I'm guessing that's good, and thank you. 